Welcome, listeners, to your all-time radio episode, remastered straight from the vault. Nothing quite like these classics to start your Monday, right? Now, your first episode is titled, I See Ghosts, where our protagonist wonders if he's going mad. Is he seeing ghosts? He just can't seem to shake that vision. Maybe he is. And our second episode is The Bird of Death. When greed overcomes an individual, there is no telling what they'll do. No telling who they'll betray. The second story in this episode is from the Haunting Hour series, and is the first story from this series that you'll hear on this channel. I hope you enjoy it because there are loads more of these to come, and they are of such quality that I can really flex my skill set in this space, enabling me to really improve the sound. Now folks, I want to thank those that support me mates. My white tea warlords, Matthew J. Bauer, Maya, and Divided by Zero. Thank you, you living legend. Each member of this tier of support bolsters the show's ability to produce content immensely. In fact, I recently acquired new software that specifically tackles the clicks and blips in this kind of audio, and have been hammering through it and learning it to bring you the best quality remastered audio I can. So really, thanks to them, you're hearing clearer and cleaner audio. Thank you so much, my white tea warlords. And my old grey enforcers. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Crisanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffaelli, and Michelangelo Yacone. You are the blood in the veins of this podcast. Thank you so much for your support. If you get a chance, folks, swing on by my Patreon and show me some love at www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt. Now, mates, turn the lights off, the sound up, and tell those ghosts to go fry an egg. <laughs> about this world of ours, and ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in Spine Chillers. The Creaking Door. The manufacturers of State Express 3.5's Filter King Cigarettes Take pleasure in presenting The Creaking Door. Good evening, friends of the Creaking Door. The Creaking Door is open. So do come in. You're welcome if you can stand the cold. Hundreds of friends are simply dying to come here. <laughs> 
Smooth in world class. Get the taste of new Smooth State Express 3.5s today. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. It's a blend that has been perfected after years of constant research by our master blenders. And the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3.5 smoke. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. Move in world class. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3.5s today. There's nothing to wear. Nothing. Who cares? You got time. I'm paid by the police department, so I got time. Let's hear it again. Lieutenant, I don't want to. Go through it again, baby. You might even convince me. How'd you like that? But I know so little. I woke up in this girl's apartment. Hold it, Logan. How'd you get to the apartment? I've told you. I don't know. it. It's all a blank. I wonder if a grand jury will believe you. Go on. Well, I woke up in this apartment... It was a nicely furnished place. I'd been sleeping in a chair. Been there before? Never. I swear it. You don't know how you got there. You've never been there before. But you were sleeping in a chair and Miss Hollis... Is that her name? You wouldn't know, would you? You only killed her. Now, that's a lie. Okay, okay. Tell it nicely. I walked through the apartment and... Well, I found her. She was lying on the bed. But when the doctor got there, she was on the floor. I explained. You know I explained that. Don't you know better than to move a dead body? I didn't know she was dead, I tell you, but she was lying there as if she was sleeping. And you've never seen her before, never been there before, and this doll is strangled while you're sleeping in a chair. She's wearing a nightdress, and she was strangled, Logan, strangled. And her name is Hollister? Marion Hollister, as if you didn't know. A rich girl with rich parents, and they have enough pull at City Hall to put you away for life just for being there. Want to change your story? I can't change it. That's the way it happened. Oh, what do you remember immediately before you found yourself in this apartment? The last I remember is getting off a subway train at City Central. Mm. I was walking up the escalator and... Oh, oh there, there was a girl. Oh, there was a girl, was there? You missed that bit out. Where was she? She seemed to be sick. She was leaning against the wall of the station just beyond the escalator and... I, I think I stopped and asked her if I could help. And you remember nothing more? No, not a thing. This is a highly likely story. Let me tell you, Logan, amnesia has been put forward as a defense in a score of murder cases in the city. It has succeeded twice. Most times with girls so pretty that they'd have got away with it if they'd been caught with a smoking gun in one hand. I can't help it. I'm telling you the truth. Okay. I'm going to put you back in a cell. Maybe you can remember a little more. Officer, take this man away. Uh, 
Chief. I hate to say this at my time of life, but I have a sneaking feeling this guy, Henry Logan, is telling the truth from the Hollister case. Uh, he just happened to get in this apartment where she was killed, and he can't remember a thing. He says he saw a girl in the subway. She was sick, or so he thinks. Or so he thinks. Yeah. How did he get to the apartment? How did he get in? Oh, I don't know yet. But there's something we do know. Logan's hands don't fit the prints on the Hollister girl's neck. She was strangled by a much larger man. I tell you what, Carly. Hmm? If you can't tie this guy Logan in with a kill, let him run for a while and we can find out how he goes. Have him followed. Uh, none of it makes sense. None of it. How did he get into that apartment? Well, maybe, Chief, if we follow him long enough, we'll find out. Have you asked him to identify the body? No, but we'll do that before we turn him loose. Maybe we can learn something from his reaction. Is this the morgue? That's not the art museum. Now, over here. Now, did you ever see her before? Well, it, it, it's horrible. Horrible. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. I asked her if you'd ever seen her before. No, never. Not to my knowledge. Sure? She was like Canby. Lieutenant Cowley. This is like a nightmare. Okay, son. Come upstairs to my office. I want to show you pictures of how she was when she was still alive. No, no, I, I'm sorry to say I don't. Was she the woman in the subway? I don't know. You know how it is there, all darks and lights. I just don't no, know. Don't worry, then. Maybe we'll discover something. You're in the clear, son. Just go on your way. What? Why, thanks. I, I don't understand what happened. I, I don't understand at all. It, it's a mystery to me. Yeah, me too, son. Maybe one of those cases nobody can ever explain. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Give me a beer and a sandwich. Coming up, buddy. Thanks, sir. Send it over to the table there. Hello? Beat it, sister. I only wanted to thank you for what you did for me that night in the subway. In... in the subway? Yeah. I fainted and you helped me. Who are you? Her name doesn't matter. Uh, sit down. Have a drink. Not now, thank you. The hat's hiding your face. I don't recognize you. I'll take it off. Hey, is that better? But you're Marion Hollister. Why not? Why not? Beer and sandwich, 80 cents. The, the girl here. Where did you go? What girl? I don't see no girl, mister. Lieutenant Carlia, I know you think I'm crazy, but this is on the level. I saw her. I spoke to her. Marion Hollister is being buried today. How did you identify her? Her father made the identification, but we checked her fingerprints. They're on record. She knocked a guy over with her car three years back, got away with a rap, although I think she should have gone to jail. Now, just take it easy, son. But, but what happened then? 
Well, you've been under a bad strain, boy. Been in jail, accused of murder. Well, you got a dream or a hallucination or something, that's all. Or somebody was impersonating her. She was exactly like our photograph. Just take it easy, son. Uh, where was this bar you were at? Murphy's on the corner of Main and 60th. Oh, I can't see a girl like Marion Hollister going in a place like that. Now, we're busy on the case. I'll talk to the bartender later. Just you go home and relax. But and... it was her. I, I, I tell you, it was her. Uh, and if you aren't going to do anything about it, then I will. Scotch, then? I don't want a drink. What is this, mister? Hold up. Oh, I get it. I pay you or you raid the place. Your business is lousy. The most I could go is 50 bucks. Look, I want information. A guy named Logan was in here the other night. Yeah, that's right. How'd you know his name's Logan? Wait, one of the reporters told me. One of the newsmen. You served him a beer at his table. There was a dame with him. I never saw a dame. You sure? Sure, I'm sure. Get your jacket, Buster. I'm taking you in. Say, say, what is it? Ask for a question. Are you coming quietly or in two pieces? Oh, I'll come quiet. Cops. You can't win with cops. Mr. Parmenter? That's me, son. You're the crime editor of the banner? Yeah. I know your face. Uh, you're the guy that was picked up as a suspect in the Hollister case. Then you're released. I'm sorry. You're yesterday's news. I want to know something about Marion Hollister. What kind of a woman she was. Yeah. Come in my office. Uh-huh. Take a seat. Uh, you got anything to tell me we don't know? What kind of person was she, uh, the Hollister girl? Uh, between you and me, strictly a hot rod. A poor little rich girl. Could you be more specific? Oh, I'd lose my job. Her dad owns half this city and half this newspaper. Now, look. She lived for the kicks, drink or drugs or anything else. It was all the same to sweet little Marion. She didn't look that kind of girl. Oh, so you did see her. Only her picture. She was arrested once for driving stinking drunk, and she killed a guy. Her old man even sprung her on that one. She had a sweet face, no heart. Was there anywhere specific that she used to frequent? Uh-huh. Fellini's gambling club on the east side. Duke Fellini was said to be her special boyfriend, but don't quote me. Say, what is this anyway? Oh, it's only that I, I saw her ghost. I'll let you know if I hear anything. Moved in world class. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3.5s today. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get.
It's a blend that has been perfected after years of constant research by our master blenders. And the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3-5 smoke. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. Move in world class. Get the taste of new, smooth, State Express 3-5s today. I don't think Logan believes in ghosts, do you? But after all, he saw the girl dead. The fingerprints checked. Fingerprints don't lie. But ghosts do. They lie uneasily in their grave. This police club? Sure. Oh, where, where's Fellini? Not here. We're closed. Where does Fellini live? How should I know? I'm a friend of his. Who cares? How much? Fifty bucks. A spring of ten spot. Hand it over. There. Now talk. Thirteen Wilshire Chambers. That's an unlucky number. Fellini at 13 Wilkshire Chambers. Come over quick. Fellini's dead. Okay, but in future you don't play cops and robbers, Logan. That's my job. How did he die? Shot about three days back. Another guy? Of course not. You don't know anybody, do you? No. No, I don't know anybody. Beats me. No kidding. Police have identified her by her prints. You say you saw her. Or her ghost. And now they find Fellini dead. Hmm. Well, let's go down to the library. Check everything we've got on this girl. Here we are. This is the driving case, just like I said. Oh, here's an item, though. You found something? Uh, probably nothing. It's... Just an item about her personal maid being arrested for possessing drugs. Released. Released in the custody of Miss Hollister. And there's a note to say the maid appeared in court in a mink coat and crocodile shoes. Suppose the maid is posing as her. Now she's dead. Why should she do that? Well, how do I know? Have you got the, the maid's home address? 
Oh, for you, anything. Here it is. Seven Links Boulevard. That's Ankarnowski in the sticks. Thanks. Her name is Ellis, Mary Ellis. Well, thanks for the Fellini story. Let's know if you come across anything. Right. I owe you that much. Perhaps you've laid a ghost for me. I want to discover the whereabouts of Miss Mary Ellis. I understand she is about to inherit some money under Miss Hollister's will. Don't lie to me. Marion wouldn't have left Mary a red cent. Mary was fired long since. What is it, that? No, not that. Is Mary Ellis here? You're looking at her. Come in. Thanks. Now then, what is it? You look rather like Marion Hollister, don't you? A bit. Where's the mink coat? Gone to the pawn shop. What's it to you? Mary, who killed Carlo Fellini? Oh, is that rat dead? Good riddance. I think Mary Hollister killed him. Don't you? Then she was killed herself by one of Fellini's gangsters. And you've been impersonating her for some reason. Now, why? Ah, oh, go fry an egg. Would you rather tell me or the police? What's the dip? I don't know a thing about it. I got nothing to hide. I'm going home now. If you want me, my telephone number is Chinal 337. Make a note of it. I'll write it on the Hudson River and forget it. That might be your hard luck. I live at the Harvey Hotel, room 61. That's in Mesha. I don't care if it's in the Bronx. Someday you may just care. Someday you may wake up dead the way Mary Hollister did. Now you just think about it. I'll give you two seconds consideration. Now beat it. Thanks for nothing. You can see yourself out, but don't scratch the woodwork. Logan here, room 61. This is Marion Hollister, Mr. Logan. Uh, I don't know what the game is, honey, but... Marion Hollister is dead. And I don't believe in ghosts. Don't you, honey? Perhaps you should. Whoever you are, what do you want? To talk to you. Come over to the apartment. Where are you found? Sure. Sure. And I'll bring the police with me. Oh, I wouldn't do that, darling. If I were you. Why not? Because they wouldn't find anything there. Are you coming? Oh, okay. I'll be alone. I'll leave the door off the latch. I'll be seeing you. Police? Uh, give me Lieutenant Carly. Uh, hello, Carly. I just wanted to tell you that... that I've got a date with a dead woman... Floor, mister. Thanks. Anybody there? Where are you, Marion? <laughs> Where are you? I'm here, darling. Where? Here I was before. 
No. Don't you like me? The same. The same black negligee, the, the bruises. Darling, I want you to forget me. Please. I can't rest while this goes on. Please let me sleep in peace. Come on, boy. Come on. Where's the light switch? Huh? Oh, here. Uh, uh. She, she was here. Huh? I tell you, she was here. Just like it was that night. She was here and, and she was dead. Look, I don't know what this is all about, but I'm going to find out. Sergeant Wells, yes, search this place, find out how that woman escaped. Okay, Chief. Logan, if this is all a figment of your imagination, there'll be trouble. I'm warning you. I don't know anymore. I just don't know. Maybe I'm going mad. Well, go back to your hotel, Logan. Keep off the streets. You may be in danger. I'm in danger. What's going out of my mind? What is this? What are you doing here? Don't you like me? Even a little? You're real. You want a ghost? No. I'm not a ghost, Logan. I'm Marion Hollister. That's impossible, and you know it. I was Mary Ellis, too. See yourself out and don't scratch the paintwork. But the Hollister girl's fingerprints were checked. Oh, surely. But you see, I was on a drunken driving charge. My maid looks a lot like I do. That's why I chose her. She could always get me an alibi. Well, I paid her well to stand in for me. It was her fingerprints they took, not mine. Then the the real Mary Ellis was was the dead girl in, in your apartment. That's right. My money comes from my dad. When I went to Fellini's place, Mary was seen around as me. I'd been forbidden to visit Fellini. Poor Carlo. I killed him. I killed him with this gun. Put that thing away. I shot Carlo because he was through with me. All he ever wanted was money and more money. He called me names that night. Carlo has a brother. Carlo's brother has big hands. Poor Mary Ellis. She did look like me. Give yourself up. If you explain it... No, it won't help him now. I was going home by subway, and I suddenly felt faint. After all, I'd just shot Carlo. He wanted to help me, and that was all. But I couldn't let you get evidence later that you'd seen me. That would have placed me too near to Fellini's place. What happened to me? I asked you to take me home. Then I rang a certain doctor, I know. He just hypnotized you, that's all. Told you to forgive and sleep. Logan, if I'd have gone into my bedroom, I'd have seen Mary Ellis. Dead. I didn't. Not till later. Then I couldn't move you, and I had to leave you there. And now? I tried to make you think I was my own ghost and shake you off the trail. I made up as Mary Ellis in case the police went to question her. They didn't. You turned up. But you didn't really believe in ghosts, did you? I began to, at the end. How did you get out of the bedroom? Oh, I just slipped past the police in the dark. Well, I decided to shoot myself, but the game isn't played out yet. It might be easier to shoot you. You're only making it harder for yourself. You know that. I don't think they'll do much to you for shooting a rat like Fellini. Sorry, Logan. You were good to me. You liked me, even. But I'm rotten, and I always was. And I'm going to do the selfish thing to the end. Now put it down! Yeah, put it down, Miss Hollister. You see, Logan's been close to her level since we let him out of jail. Oh, well, here goes nothing. Grab her! I don't think I've got a gun! You rat! You stopped me doing the only decent thing I ever tried in my whole life. I hate you! 
I hate everybody. It'll pass, Marion. Everything does. Things can get better for you. Believe me. Dear me, what sort of a world is it when you can't even trust a ghost? It isn't the sort of thing we'd stand for behind the creaking door. Move in world class. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3.5s today. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. It's a blend that has been perfected after years of constant research by our master blenders. And the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3.5 smoke. Stay where you are. Do not break the stillness of this moment. For this is a time of mystery. A time when imagination is free and moves forward swiftly, silently. This is The Haunting Hour. This is the story of a man named Spear, of a bird, a kind of carrion crow, and of a student of birds named Victor. This is also a story of Victor's uncle, Orin, but that comes later. At this moment, we are concerned only with the trio, Spear, Victor, and the bird of death, the crow. Watch this, Victor. I'm going to get him. I wouldn't if I were you, Spear. No, no, you just wounded him. He's getting away. Why did you object to my shooting that bird? It's a member of the Corvus Caroni family, a kind of carrion crow. So what? Well, there's an old Indian tradition about those particular birds. A tradition, eh? Well, what is it? Not that I'm interested in those old superstitions. I would be if I were you, Spear. Why? Because according to legend, it is the bird of death. This is also the story of Victor's uncle, Oren, a man with a different kind of interest in birds, an interest that often took him and Spear to a certain marsh. Are those all the decoys we brought with the Spear? Yes, sir. Then roll over to the blind. Uh, never can tell when a flight of ducks will come along. Yes, sir. There's that, uh, that old fishing weir. 
It's a pity it isn't used anymore. I hate to see anything wasted. Yes, sir. Just a lot of steaks driven into the marsh. A fish trap. They bait it, the fish get in, and they're caught. Hmm, looks like an arrow from the bow. Yes, sir. I'm glad uh, we put the decoys around it. It's a natural place for them. Makes the setting perfect. No duck will be suspicious of it. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, you stop that infernal yes, sir. Can't you say anything besides yes, sir? Yes. Uh, of course, Miss Aaron. Anything you wish. You know, you're too agreeable today, Spear. Too agreeable. The distinct of cousinness in you. It's usually right beneath the surface, but you're covering it up today. You're covering it up real well. What's up? Why, nothing. Nothing at all, Mr. Aaron. I, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't, eh? Well, most people don't know what the other fellow's talking about. That's what's wrong with the world. More people would. Uh, oh, hurry up, Spear. You're rowing as if we had all day. Yes, sir. Can't get over by the perfect setting that old fishing weir makes for our decoys. Why, the ducks have come right into the nozzles of our shotguns without suspecting there are any hunters around. It's a good setup, all right. Good. It's perfect. You know, that's what counts in the world, Spear. The setting. Give a man the right setting and he can get away with murder. Why, there's been many... Uh, uh, hey, Spear, you're not rowing toward the blind. No, I'm not, Mr. Orion. You're rowing toward the fishing weir. What's the big idea? It's the right setting, Mr. Orion. Give a man the right setting and he can get away with murder. You said so yourself. Murder? What are you talking about? Who's murder? Yours, Mr. Orion. Uh, you stop rowing. Now, Spear, I don't like this. That's understandable. Most of us are cowards. We flinch from death. Even wealthy men like you, Mr. Orrin. Oh, stop joking. Does this shotgun look as if I'm joking? You'll notice it's pointed right at your chest, and the shotgun at close range is a pretty messy weapon, I've read. Why, you... You, you needn't bother looking for your shotgun. It's behind me. You haven't a chance in the world of getting it. In fact, you haven't a chance, period. Spear, you're crazy. You can't get away with this. I, I'll call for help. In the first place, you won't call. The instant you even try to yell, I'll pull the trigger. In the second place, who'd hear you out here in the marsh? Why, I don't... Uh... Victor, yes, that's it. Victor might hear me. He often comes out here to study bird life. Or maybe one of the servants may be around here. None of the servants will be around here today. You know Jed's too lazy to do anything he doesn't have to, and Kathy's rheumatism will keep her indoors on a day like this. But Victor... He won't be here today either. No, Mr. Aaron, you'd better not count on help from your dear nephew. I've taken care of him. You... You killed Victor? Now, why would I do that? I only want to kill one man, and that's you, Mr. Aaron. No, I saw to it that Victor received a new book on ornithology this morning. He's in his study reading about the habits of birds. The habits of birds. Birds that, according to scientists, were once reptiles. But according to science, man was also once a reptile. So the lives of the two, birds and men, may at times be interwoven. In his study, Victor Music. Birds are strange creatures. Jed, do you know that the Ardea Herodias... The what? Uh, the Ardea Herodias, uh, the great blue heron. You mean like them that live around the marsh? Precisely. Well, the Ardea Herodias has one claw that's toothed. You don't say. I don't, but this book does. It says the middle toe is toothed. What's the bird want teeth in his middle toe for? Mm, mm, I suppose to make it easier to hold on to the fish it catches. You've seen them catch fish, haven't you? Yeah, especially around the old fish trap in the marsh. I don't reckon I ever saw one of them lose a fish once he grabbed a hold of it. Precisely. Oh, say, I reckon there ain't much them book writers don't know. Wonder how they learn it. By observation, Jed. Oh, I tell you, this is a fine book. I just got it this morning. I don't know who sent it, but whoever did certainly knew what he was doing. It's a remarkable book. 
Uh, you ought to read it. Yeah. I ain't no hand at book reading. To think that a man, a man like you or me, could learn so much about ornithology. About what, Mr. Victor? Uh, ornithology, uh, that's the scientific name for the study of bird life. Oh. And he learned it the right way, by watching birds in their native habitats. Yeah. Now what? Where they live. What do you want to do that for? Because it's so interesting. Uh, it's fascinating. I think I'll go down to the marsh to watch the Ardea Herodias myself. Yes, that's what I'll do this very... I'm going to the marsh. Oren went to the marsh to kill birds. Spear went to kill Oren. Victor is going to the marsh to observe birds. Birds and men, they're all interwoven. As interwoven as the threads of life and of death. But why, why do you want to kill me, Spear? You've been my secretary almost ten years. I've paid you well, haven't I? I've been good to you, haven't I? But not as good as I'm going to be to myself. Why, I even made a provision in my will for you. But not as big as the provision I've made in it. As you've made? What are you talking about? I've destroyed your will and substituted one to fit my own ambitions. I'm going to inherit quite a piece of your estate. So you won't get away with it? You'll be found out. Do you think so? How many years have I been signing your name to letters? About eight. Has anyone ever detected that it isn't your signature? I know that is... Exactly. No one will ever suspect the will is a forgery. Simple, isn't it? But it is never simple, Spear. You're quite philosophic for a man who is about to die. But you overlook the fact that I've planned this carefully for five years. I know every detail of what I'm going to do. There isn't a chance of a slip-up. The perfect crime, eh? Yes, I suppose you can call it that. Everything will go just as I planned it, Mr. Oren. With your money, I'll be on Easy Street the rest of my life. I'm not dead, Jet. I'll take care of that in a moment, sir. There are easier ways of making money, Spear. I like this way better. Incidentally, that's where you're going to be buried, Mr. Oren. Over there at the fishing weir. Take a good look at it. Not every man gets a chance to see his future grave. No, not every man gets a chance to see his future grave. But every man has his own hopes of averting, or at least delaying, death. Other people may inadvertently help him. For instance, right now at Oren's house, Kathy, the housekeeper, is saying... Jed, where's Mr. Victor? In his study, I reckon. You reckon, you reckon. Oh, never seen such a man for not knowing nothing. Well, ain't he in his study? No, he ain't. Would I be asking if he was there? No, I don't reckon you would. Oh, there you go, reckoning again. Can't you give a body a straight answer? What do you always want to be picking on me for, Kathy? I reckon... I mean, I ain't no nursemaid to know where everybody's at all the time. Now, Jed, you keep a civil tongue in your head. Man, that's You think a body said something outlandish to you. All I asked... All you asked was if I knowed where Mr. Victor is. And I said, say, I just remembered. He said he was going out to the marsh to see... Just what I thought, just what I thought. He's going out to see if he can get a look at some of them wild birds he's so crazy about. Oh, I might have known that that man will be the death of me yet. Well, what you carrying on like that for? Can a man go for a walk to the marsh without you raising a ruckus? Not without his mackinaw on a raw day like this, he can't. Why, that poor boy will catch his death of cold. <laughs> Goshen, I don't know what folks would do if I didn't look after him. Now, you get Mr. Victor's mackinaw and take it to him right this minute. Oh, Kathy, if he didn't take it yourself, maybe it's because he don't want it. Jed, you do like I say. You take Mr. Victor's mackinaw to him right this minute. <sighs> He had my rheumatism. He'd know better than leaving it behind. But how am I going to know where he's at? You just said yourself he was going to the marsh. Well, you go there, too. Keep looking till you find him. Oh, all right, all right. Don't get head up about it. I reckon all I do around here is go traipsing around for him.
Have you had a good look at your future grave, Mr. Oren? You're going to be in it soon. I'm going to kill you with your own shotgun. It'll be the culmination of five years of careful planning. Oh, you ungrateful wretch. I ought to... You ought to keep quiet and listen to me. And don't make any suspicious moves. I've got an itchy trigger finger, and I don't want anything to happen to you until I'm absolutely ready. Spear, I'm telling you again... You're I... telling me again that I can't get away with it. Well, you're wrong, Mr. Oren. You're not dealing with stocks and bonds now. You're dealing with human life. Your life. All right, Spear. You win. I'll make a deal with you. What kind of a deal? I'll pay you as much money as you want. If only you won't kill me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'll make you rich. I'll, you'll I'll... double-cross me. That's what you'll do. No, honestly. Honestly, that's a laugh. What an awful sap you must think I am. Well, you turn me over to the police so fast it would make my head swim. But it's your head that's going to swim. Underwater. No, no, Spear, please. I'm going to shoot you. Then I'm going to tie you to the bottom of one of the stakes of the fishing weir. You'll be fastened so securely, you'll be there forever. No one will ever find you there. Spear, listen to me. I'll do anything you say, anything. Only don't kill me. You're stalling for time, Mr. Aaron, but it won't do you any good. Listen to me, please. You know nothing you say will keep me from carrying out my plans. I'll sell my property over to you. I'll make it legal. You'll be rich. I'll think it over. I have thought it over for five years. That's a long time, Miss Aaron. Everything is just as I planned it, including your begging for mercy. I, I promise. I promise I'll never tell anybody about this. If only... Of course you'll never tell anybody about this. You know the old saying, dead men tell no tales. Spear, I don't want to die. No one wants to die. And no one wants to lie at the bottom of a marsh tied to a fish trap. It isn't much of a monument, especially for a rich man like you, Mr. Aaron. But it's going to be yours for eternity. Please, please. Your proposition, if I let you live. I'll do anything you want, Spear. Anything you want. I'll give you everything I've got. Now, you'll never regret it. Believe me, you won't. You're right. I'll never regret it. And by it, I mean this. This is the story of Spear and the gun which he fired twice. The first time at a crow which he did not kill but merely crippled. The second time at his employer, Mr. Oren, whom he murdered on the spot. This is the story of Victor, Mr. Oren's nephew, a student of bird life who worries about the crippled crow and who questions Spear about the disappearance of his uncle. He does not know that Spear has fastened Mr. Oren's dead body to the bottom of an old fishing weir in the marsh. You were right, Victor. That crow was the bird of death. Of course, I don't believe in Indian superstitions, but if I hadn't shot that bird, maybe Mr. Oren wouldn't be dead now. Don't blame yourself, Spear. But what I can't understand is why we haven't been able to recover the body. That crew of men has been searching around the center of the marsh with grappling hooks all day now. Maybe the body is caught on a shrub or something at the bottom. This could be. If that's the case, I'll ask them to use dynamite. Dynamite? I hadn't thought of that. Are you sure you pointed out the exact spot where the, exa the accident happened? I'm positive. Then there's nothing to do but use dynamite. That'll dislodge anything in the immediate vicinity. using dynamite and still no sign of Uncle's body. I'm just as sorry about that as you are, but as I said before, it's probably wedged between some shrubs or rocks down at the bottom. These old marshes are full of them, you know. Yes. I know how you must feel, Victor, but please bear in mind it, it isn't easy for me either. I can understand that. You're having been with him when it happened. I'll never forget it. It was terrible. Last night I dreamed about it. I felt the water closing over me as I surfaced, dived the last time trying to find him. My hands searched in vain. I could feel the water suffocating me and... Then I awoke drenched in cold sweat. Oh, if only I could have saved him. Don't blame yourself, Spear. You did everything you could. 
Too bad Jen and I didn't get here about five minutes sooner. Then we could have helped. Yes, it's too bad. I can't get over an experienced hunter like Uncle capsizing the boat. Well, as I told you before, he was so anxious to get the duck he'd shot, he leaned way over the gunwale as he reached for it. He leaned too far. The boat turned over, plunging us both into the water. Yes, you told us about that. I tried to get him to stay in the blind while I rode out and retrieved the bird, but no, nothing would do but for him to get into the boat with me. I asked him not to. Why? Why what? Why did you ask him not to get into the boat with you? Oh, well, I, uh, I don't really know, only... Only you had a premonition. Is that it, Spear? Well, no, that is not exactly... Uh, only there was no necessity for both of us going after the duck. I could have gotten it myself. I always have in the past when we went hunting together. But this time, things worked out differently, eh, Spear? Yes, this time things worked out differently. Maybe things like that are planned. What do you mean? Oh, fate, destiny, you know, that sort of thing. I believe everything happens according to plan. Everything. Who will gainsay that everything does happen according to plan? But whose plan? And what is the plan? Is there no such thing as circumstance? And what part does it play in the plans a man may make? And they haven't found the body yet? Nary a shine of it, Kathy. Nary a shine. Oh, poor Mr. Oren, not getting a decent burial. It ain't right, him being down the bottom of the marsh like that. I tell you, Jed, it ain't right. No, reckon ain't nobody gonna argue with you about that. But day's dynamiting ain't done no good. Ain't much more that can be done. You mean they'll leave him down there? I reckon so. What else can they do? Well, I don't rightly know, but seems like they oughtn't to give up till they find poor Mr. Oren's body. Maybe they ain't never gonna find it. Why? Maybe it just wasn't meant to be found. Oh, Jed, you don't make no sense. No, lots of things don't make no sense, if you ask me. Things like what? Well, I don't rightly know how to put it, but some things just don't add up. Oh, land of goats and Jed, you're going to drive me plumb crazy with that kind of talk. What things don't add up? Well, it's like this, Kathy. You recollect you sent me out to the marsh to find Mr. Victor and give him his Mackinac? Of course I recollect. Well, I done like you told me to. I found him moseying along toward the marsh, reading one of them books that he got the very day of Mr. Orange's accident. You know all about that. Yeah, but here's what you don't know. He asked me to go to the marsh with him. He wanted to show me something about a... idea... Her, 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 about blue heron. And so I went with him. I know all about that, too. What are they? Hold your horses, will you? I'm coming to that. We heard a shot from the marsh, along about the fishing where, I'd say. And a few minutes later, when we got there... There was Mr. Spear dripping water and climbing out of the marsh with his story about how Mr. Orrin was grounded. Well, what don't add up for that? It's exactly what Mr. Spear's been telling about the accident. Yeah, but according to his story, Mr. Orrin, he shot a duck from where they was hiding in the blind. The duck fell in the middle of the marsh, and he and Mr. Spear, they got in the boat and rowed out to get the dead bird. That's right. Mr. Orrin leans out to pick the duck out of the water, and the boat turns over, grounding him. Even though Mr. Spear, according to his story... Done everything he could to save Mr. Orrin. Now, appears to me that was a mighty short time for all that to happen. Seems like all them doings ought to take more than, well, more than the four or five minutes it took me and Mr. Victor to get to the marsh and see Mr. Spear climbing out of it. Oh, land the ghost and dead. That kind of talk would drive a body clean out of their mind. Maybe it took you and Mr. Victor more than four or five minutes to get to the edge of the marsh. No, it didn't. And even if it didn't, that don't mean nothing. Things just naturally happen fast sometimes. Yeah, maybe. But still, it just don't set right with me. I reckon it ought to take more time than that for all them things to happen. 
<laughs> so they stopped dynamite now. Yeah, Kathy, Mr. Victor finally gave it up. Said there was no use keeping it up forever. Oh, that means poor Mr. Arnold will be down there at the bottom of the marsh till doomsday. I reckon so. I still say the whole thing don't add up just right. Oh, now don't start that again, Jed. I say, somebody just can't stand being around you when you carry on with such crazy talk. I just can't help feeling... Oh, land of Goshen. You make even my rheumatism worse for that kind of talk. All right, then I'll keep quiet about it. But I still say... There you go again. All right, all right. Don't get yourself head up. You and your crazy talk. You haven't told Mr. Victor any of it, have you? No. Well, don't. He's got enough on his mind right now as is. I won't say nary word about it to him. Promise? Yes, I promise. Uh, that's better. By the way, where is Mr. Victor now? I reckon he and Mr. Spears over at the lawyers for the reading of the will. Hmm. Looks like they could have waited a spell before they went into that. Mr. Spears said they might as well get over with. Uh, I guess he's right. Oh, I get all fussed up inside, thinking of poor Mr. Oren resting down the butter. Jed, where are you going? I think I'll just mosey on over to the marsh for a spell. I just can't get it through my head why the whole thing don't end. Believe me, Victor, the contents of the will are as much of a surprise to me as they must be to you. I thought Mr. Oren would remember me, but I didn't dream he would leave me the bulk of his estate. Neither did I. I'm sorry if it upset your plans in any way. My plans? Looks as though Uncle didn't think much of them. Then he knew about them? He knew I wanted to devote my life to ornithology. Gave me the impression he approved of it. He must have changed his mind. Evidently. But it doesn't change mine. I'm going to be an ornithologist. I've played around with it before as a hobby. But I'm in dead earnest now. I'm going to start right away. In fact, right now. Now? Yes. Spear, I'm going to begin with the birds I've observed closely the last few days. But, Victor, you were at the marsh the last few days. Precisely. And there were birds there, birds I want to see again. Spear, drive as close to the marsh as you can, and we'll walk the rest of the way. If you don't mind my saying so, it sounds rather silly to me. You mind doing what I ask? No, I don't mind. Why should I? I don't know. Then there are other things I don't know, things I intend to find out about. You have a gun? A what? A gun. What's the matter? Don't you understand English? Look, Victor, I can understand your being upset about the will. Well, have you got a gun or haven't you? There's a double-barrel shotgun on the back of a car. That's perfect for what I want. Now, row out to the middle of the marsh where the accident happened. Very well, if that's what you want, but it seems rather... That's what I want. Okay. Here we are. Now, what's this got to do with birds? Plenty. See that buzzard of a crow sitting there on the fishing weir? The bird you crippled? Well, watch me take a shot at him. You missed him. I intended to. Killing isn't in my line. What does that crack mean? You'll know soon enough. I don't understand you, Victor. First, you try to keep me from shooting that bird. Then you take a crack at him and miss him on purpose. You must be losing your mind. On the contrary, my mind is just beginning to function. Now, Spear, I want you to row over to the fish trap. Huh? You heard me. I said row over to the fishing weir. Now, look, Victor, I've had all of this I want. You can't order me around. I'll remind you that this is a double-barrel shotgun. Only one shell has been fired, so the other barrel is still loaded, and it's pointed right at you. Do I make myself understood? Yes. All right, then. Roll! Edge the boat over a little, Spear. 
Right against the stake that crow is sitting on. Why, it's back. Yes, it's back. Back on the same stake it's been sitting on for three days now. It just sits there and stares hungrily straight down into the water. Oh, what of it? That bird is a scavenger spear. It isn't here to catch fish like the other birds. It's only interested in carrion. All right, so it's interested in carrion. What's that to me? You're interested in carrion too, Spear, but in a different way. You're crazy. You don't know what you're saying. Prove it. Let's investigate that stake, the one the bird was perched on. No. No, let's go back to the house. You're afraid because my uncle's corpse is at the other end of it, Spear. No, of course not. It's because... Why well, you give me that? No. I've got the gun. All right, your uncle's down there at the bottom of the fish trap. I killed him just as I'm going to kill you right... <laughs> I got him just in time, Mr. Victor. I heard what he said. I was there in the duck blind. I'm sure glad I had my rifle with me. I told him that Corvus Caroni was the bird of death. This is the story of a man named Spear, of a bird, a kind of carrion crow, of a student of bird life named Victor, and of his uncle, Oren. A story of birds and men interwoven as the threads of life and death. From shadows and stillness, mystery weaves a spell of strangest fascination, charging the mind with doubts and fears. For mystery is a strange companion, a living memory in the haunting power. Well, mates, what did you think about our first tale? Did it manage to fool you? Do you think it was a ghost initially? I think audiences nowadays are way too sharp and have seen way too many films to be fooled by this kind of narrative. But I tell you what, it's the journey and not the ending itself that I always appreciate in these kinds of tales. I thoroughly enjoyed watching our main character though begin to question his own sanity. Oh, and that go fry an egg line? had me in stitches. The old school slang, mate, I love it. The second tale, The Bird of Death, had fantastic pacing and style. The characters' voices are so interesting and mixed with surprises at the end from every character involved, really. Quite a smart and well-written episode. The only thing was the antagonist, after planning the killing for five years, that he was able to get caught so quickly gave me a good chuckle. Goes to show how arrogant and blinded by greed he was. Mates, have a kick butt night. Or awesome day. And I'll catch you Wednesday for something different yet again. Thank you for listening. And as always, till next we meet.